For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. The voice you are not hearing this evening is that of Dan Delmar. Uh, he was uh, busy this morning filling in for Leslie Roberts and uh, takes uh, a load out of somebody to talk that long. Uh, and I know that. So uh, so tonight you have yours truly, Josh Miller from FL Fuller Landau. And uh, we are welcoming, welcoming tonight on the program. Ball Hockey Complex Larink, Josh Nagaborn and Jordan Topor. Uh, this uh, it's it's a great story. They 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 were friends for a long time. Started out about ten years ago. Uh, created this, uh, found this niche or this void in the marketplace from a ball hockey arena because we are uh, we are a city that loves our hockey. And they they started on their own, uh, and now they are basically moving on to the next stage because the space is too small and they want to expand. So we're going to hear their story later on the show, as well as uh, one of our tax uh, partners at FL, Ernie Furt, is going to come on, talk a little bit about uh, owning or building a building, as Josh and Jordan are going to do, as well as, you know, we live in Quebec, so there's going to be some common law spouse uh, tax uh, matters that we're going to touch on, uh, since we see that quite often. But before we get to that, as usual, uh, even though Dan and I usually go back and forth with some of the entrepreneurial news of the week, I'm going to kind of pick this up uh, on my own and uh, fill in some of the stuff that I've read in the last week and some of the encounters and some of the entrepreneurs that I've also encountered in the last week and some of their interesting stories that I, that I felt could be interesting to you, the listener. Let's, of course, you know, Trump versus Trudeau. I'm sure you've heard it uh, all day, all afternoon. Uh, true versus true, uh, although, you know, they're politicians, so I, I don't know if we can really use true for them. Uh, there, There's no question it's too early. They're talking about NAFTA. Trump, of course, uh, you know, says that or thinks whatever he's going to do. Of course, he doesn't always read the prompter, but... There's no question he, he's, he claims that it's more on the Mexican side, not on the Canadian side, because, of course, there is $2 billion of, of trade each day that crosses the border, 21 states that do business constantly with Canada. So uh, I, I do believe that they recognize that. And, of course, Trudeau, uh, being a true Canadian, no question he's not rocking the boat. He's not telling him how to run his own country. And uh, it, it was it was probably a good first meeting. They exchanged some niceties, uh, you know, and, and who knows, did uh, the President Enrique Peña Nieto, was he listening in on, uh, on their kind of talk about NAFTA? Who knows? But time will tell. Uh, if you're a Quebec entrepreneur, stay tuned. Hopefully things don't change too drastically with the U.S. and hopefully these NAFTA changes will, will possibly affect between the U.S. and Mexico more so, but stay tuned for that. In the meantime, as I was reading some of the some of the stories of the week, there was something in the National Post, and we've addressed this before on the show, but there, you know, it, it was called What's in a Name? And the, the name of your business really does make a big difference, whether you're starting out at it, whether you're rebranding and renaming your company. I think it it really it really covers a lot. So let me tell you just a few little tidbits of information, uh, not useless information, but really interesting stuff, such as Google didn't start out as Google. Google actually started out as a as an as a company called Backrub because they were checking the the background on on certain aspects uh, online. Pepsi was actually Brad's drink. That didn't work out, but everybody knows Pepsi today. And Nike, Nike wasn't always Nike. Nike was Blue Ribbon Sports uh, from a couple of partners that, that, that emanated, uh, that started that. 
So you don't know the the name really means a lot. There's a lot of lot that goes into it, a lot that goes into branding, uh, you know, and then you could, you could of course have the names that don't work very well. Uh, there was a, a chocolate brand, uh, in the seventies called AIDS, uh, A-Y-D-S that really didn't catch on so well when, when AIDS kind of came out into the, into the marketplace, uh, you know, and they tried to kind of come back with diet AIDS, but that just didn't work either. And then my personal favorite, and you might've not heard this because this is across the pond, but one of the names that didn't really work so well was this British brand, uh, called Spunk. And, uh, they show, they sold shoes and t-shirts and, uh, of course socks because, you know, spunk socks, it's, it's always important, but more importantly, really, when you're thinking about a name, uh, you really want to make sure that it embodies what you're going to do, what you're going to accomplish, what you represent, what your vision is. There's no, qu- there's no question that entrepreneurs will spend a lot of time and money and resources building your brand. And, and, and if that doesn't work, of course, then there could be time and money and resources rebuilding a brand, but they should always take good heart. And, and I think we've mentioned it before, but there's no question that when you finally find your name, uh, trademark it, trademark applications usually only happen on the, on the second branding when you realize that, Hey, maybe I really got to get this, got to get this name under wraps, but trademarking is big. But of course, not only that, and personally, I think even before trademarking begins, you need your URL, your social media sites, which will follow. But if you can't have, you can't find your .com, or if you really truly prefer .ca, if you can't find your .com, then maybe you need to adjust your name. Maybe something else will come out of it. But that's something that you really need to, to, to think about and come into at least at the early stages. And then of course you can build a visual and all that. So I think the message behind what's in a name, and uh, of course you can go by, you know, a rose that smell as, smells as sweet, uh, very important. Get your name out there, make sure you URL is ready.com. The world is just happening online, which brings me to another, uh, another article that we read. Uh, and, uh, and it's, it's real. this comes from, from Inc.com. And it's six, uh, six tools that every customer service rep needs from your company. Now, everybody, whether you actually have a company that sells online or sells services, there's a lot that your customers, so people that pick up the phone to talk to your customers, they got to have a little, little, little bit of leeway. They got to, they got to be prepared for that call. So I'm just going to read out a few of them and elaborate a little bit. Uh, one, you know, guarantee that your company is not out to cheat your customer. If you're, if your employee thinks you're cheating out the customers, they're really not going to be that effective. They say insensitivity training should be part of it. Well, that sounds kind of weird, but the reality is the customer that's speaking to you probably wasn't serviced by you, um, and, or, you know, and dealt with you in the past. So you, you can't always take things personally. The goal is to get that customer on board, um, what, whatever it takes, which means sometimes you need to use common sense and hopefully your employer realizes that common sense, which isn't always so common by the way, is a good thing to have when being a customer service rep, because sometimes you got to go outside the manual just to find the solution. And you never know what you find that could change and rattle going forward. Quick accessibility to data. If you don't have that data, if your customer service rep doesn't have it, well then, you know, I think that that that's gotta be changed because you need to, you want to answer your customer on the spot. You don't want to fumble around, say, I'll get back to you. I can't find your order online, etc. And I would say, you know, one of the, one of the last things was a right to make mistakes. If the customer service rep isn't ready to make a mistake or can't, can't, you know, 
thinks they're going to get fired, then they won't do that. So keep that in mind for the, for the other, uh, other aspects. One last thing before we come to our a break, and before we get to uh, to our this evening's guest, uh, you might have noticed that uh, Sears was in the paper again. You know, we talk about Sears quite often on the show, and the 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 new chief executive officer Eddie Lampert said last Friday that they were going to slash a billion dollars worth of expenses. So naturally, the stock went up, and you know, pre market trading was up uh, about forty percent, close to uh, eight sixty. Of course, it you know it it ultimately traded at seven thirty on the market, and eventually closed out the end of the day today around 6.40. They're going to close stores as they've been doing. They're selling off assets. They're Craftsman brand name. They're going to sell off for about $900 million. Uh, bottom line is SMEs, if you're selling a Sears, if you're still selling a Sears, because not everybody still is, just watch out and try and protect yourself uh, where possible. Coming up on the program, we have Ball Hockey Complex Le Rink, and of course Ernie Furt uh, towards uh, the latter half of the show on uh, Common Law Spouse Matters as it relates to tax. You're listening to CJED 800. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. It's 719. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Uh, the the voice you're not hearing tonight is Dan Delmar. He is uh, not here this evening, so flying solo. With the help of uh, my friend behind the booth, Brian. Brian Kalisar, thank you very much for everything so far, keeping me on track. And tonight we have in studio with us Josh Nagaborn and Jordan Topor of Ball Hockey Complex Le Rink. Welcome, guys. Hey, okay, welcome. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah. Ten years between shows. I think you did uh, one of these radio programs uh, when you first started ten years ago. So you're all prepped and ready to go, right? We're prepped. It's like uh, riding a bike, you know? Yeah. Like enough. yesterday. Yeah. We do everything in ten-year segments. We <laughs> open new venues every ten years and go on the radio every ten years. Each decade. Yeah. Well, welcome to the program. And as, uh, as we do at the beginning of each show, uh, the first question is the easiest one. What exactly is Le Rink? Let the listener know exactly what that complex is about. Hey, well, Le Rink is a uh, Montreal's premier ball hockey venue in the city. Um, we were the first one in the city of Montreal to open up, um, and we pride ourselves on the quality of our of our arena. We didn't want to just slap together some boards uh, in a warehouse. We wanted to make it a premier destination for ball hockey, and and that's what we did. And uh, that's who we are. How did now? What do you? What did you guys do before this? I mean, how did you know there was a void? Were you? Were you in leagues? Like, how did this this concept come up? So um, I started a ball hockey league out of a gym uh, eleven years ago, and off the bat, I got eight teams. Um, I did it with a with a friend who wasn't Jordan, but it was another friend, and uh, I saw that there was there's a, this is a sport. This is a popular sport in the city, and throughout the season, I was like there has to be somewhere else to play the game rather than a gym where there's the, the stage and the, 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 the monkey bars and all that stuff in the Curtains way. down the middle. Yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of uh, distractions and, and uh, obstacles. And there was nowhere else in the nowhere city else. that this was taking place. No, not, in, not in Montreal, yeah. not at all. And that's when he approached me yeah. and so said... You, uh, you guys have been friends before this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he lived about three houses down, not on the same street, but right uh, right across and I've known him forever. He's, you know, he was DJ Negs. That's that's <laughs> what I knew him as, the entertainer and uh, entrepreneur. And 
you know, he showed up and he, he he asked me if I was interested in doing something like this. And I'm a guy who played hockey my whole life. I played, uh, you know, midget AAA junior hockey, went to prep school. And it was at the point where I was just about finishing playing at Concordia. And he came up to me with this idea. And I said, you know what? Uh, not many people get to do something that's their passion for a living. And we saw this opportunity and, uh, you know, we ran the numbers. We did the research on the markets. And we essentially opened up day one, having people playing seven days a week. Did you guys have an idea that you would be entrepreneurs at some point in your life or that early in your in your life? Uh, I, I was an entrepreneur starting at 13 years old. I had my own DJ company and then... And then that that progressed. I I did video production and graphic design, so I was always making money on my own. Um, I, I don't know about Jordan, but uh, no, you know what? For me, I was I was always just going through the ranks of school. When we opened the rink, I was 22, so I was very young. Uh, you know, I went. You're still young. It's okay. We still we still <laughs> consider you young. I still a couple gray hairs poking out, but uh, not too many. Excellent. Well, it, what a great story, and you guys are friends. Not not everybody go not friends go into business and and last this long. So we'll when we come back from the break, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about your roles and how you kind of bounce ideas off of each other, step on each other's toes or not. And uh, we we'll go from there. We're talking with Josh Nagaborn and Jordan Topor of Ball Hockey Complex Le Rink Seven Twenty Three CJD Eight Hundred. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. This is Josh Miller from FL Fuller Landau. Uh, flying solo tonight, uh, Dan is off this evening. Uh, we miss him. Shout out, Dan, but uh, we're somehow managing without you. We're here on the program with Josh Nagaborn and Jordan Topor of Le Rink Ball Hockey Complex. And I know we were we were talking a little bit before break about you guys and, and how you got together at the beginning, your friends. But you also did work, you know, you're, you were young, youthful, but you did work on a business plan. It was important enough that you wanted to set something out in writing. How was, how was it back then and the, the, the searching, the finding information 10, 11 years ago? Well, uh, Google really wasn't such a, a big thing back then. But um, we, we were pretty knowledgeable. Like, we, we did our research. We, uh, we did find some of the major leagues playing in the city. Um, and, uh, with Jordan, um, he was finishing or he's starting business school back then. And he was able to take his, his knowledge of, of business and, and trans transform it into the, uh, business plan. So would you say that you guys roles, one is more admin financial, the other one is more sales operation. I like, do you guys split your roles? Equally, I mean, I think naturally things did get split because I guess we each have our, you know, our better suits. Um, but um, we can both do everything. I mean, we're lucky in the sense that you know, you know, I could go away on a week vacation and and know that everything will run smoothly. Vice versa, you know, Josh just had a kid not too long ago and let him stay home for the week and change diapers. You know, so <laughs> it's a nice. Guy. I'll be there soon. Nice I'll, be, I'll be there in six weeks, and I'm sure he'll do the same thing for me. Now you're you're also I don't want to get to this. We'll talk about kind of the next steps uh, after the break. But you also are doing a kind of business plan now. So you've done a business plan 10, 11 years ago. You're doing one now as you're looking to to explore and, and change locations. You mentioned before Josh about the availability of information. Today it's got to be drastically different what you're able to find out there. Oh, incredible! I mean, you you 
search anything on Google and you could, you know, the information's endless, you know, and, you know, like you're saying, like, if we're looking at our original business plan that we did, which we did on, on Business Plan Pro, um, which is it's a, a little PC, yeah, uh, little uh, PC software back, um, you know, we, we, we pulled it out when we were trying to do one for our new venue. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff was talking about, you know, the game, the sport itself, how it should work, the, you know, the rates and stuff like that. But the thing that really stood out to me and to us, I guess, was the the market and the industry analysis and talking about how many teams there are throughout the city and how many leagues there are. And 10 years later, I mean, that number's grown tenfold. And, uh, you know, that's what gave us all the reason in the world to go ahead with this project because we got to fill that demand and there's no question uh markets market the marketing play uh, play a lot in this business i mean you only have similar similar uh, limited number of time spots yeah but you know you still got to get your name out there so when we come back uh, after the break we'll talk a little bit more about the marketing guys working together and of course your next big project down uh, down the pipe so to speak through the not through the pipes but down the pipe yeah uh you're listening to uh, today's entrepreneur on cjd 800 For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. It's 7.36 and welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Uh, you're listening to Josh Miller from F.L. Fuller Landau. We're here in studio with Josh Nagaborn and Jordan Topor of Ball Hockey Complex Le Rink. A little later on the program, We'll have uh, Ernie Furt, a tax partner at FL, talk to us uh, about a couple of different things, maybe about uh, building and sales tax, some of the challenges there, and a common aspect here in Quebec, common law spouses, and uh, maybe some of the challenges and pitfalls you should be aware of. But in the meantime, we're going to come back to Josh and Jordan uh, of Lorink. And one aspect, guys, that that we didn't talk about because Lorink is great. It's ball hockey. It's uh, it, it's there's no question. It's it's a lot of fun. You'll have your your dressing rooms and 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 all that, but you guys also operate a small restaurant and bar at the front of the, at the front of the place. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And, and did you know, did getting into that, was that part of a business plan? Did you think you're going to be a bar owner when you first started? Yeah. So, so when we, uh, came up with this, the whole plan for the rink, um, you know, beer and hockey just go together so well. And I guess you can say chicken wings also, but, uh, yeah, we knew that we had to put in a bar and a restaurant in our rink and it just it is just a perfect marriage of of businesses you know you have the restaurant and 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 the hockey so um did you did you ever worry about it getting you know rowdy or raunchy you'd have to break up bar fights was that ever a concern well, yeah i mean like 10 years ago when we first opened we had no idea what we were ex- to expect because you have I, a lot of testosterone yeah. in the oh, room yeah. possibly you know yeah. after finishing a game of hockey yeah i yeah. think uh only once we had one row- rowdy incident uh i think it was during uh, the habs playoffs when someone we know uh, he drank a bit too much and kind of we scored i think a, a game-winning goal and jumped into one of our walls and kind of went through the wall yeah. jip but- rock's not uh not <laughs> so strong you know <laughs> not for him no yeah and so so you must you know forget the hockey side of it there's the bar side your your insurance must be very important when you were first opening this place you must have you know the insurance aspect the liability insurance must have been very important for you to seek out and and make sure it covered you for everything yeah i mean you want to make sure you're covered um but for us you know we we got to 
we we have to check to see what what are reliable for you know like if someone's gonna take a slap shot in the in the arm it, it's it's not my not my fault it's not my problem but if a light were to fall from the ceiling or a nail were to stick out of the boards or like you said you know if people are getting rowdy in the bar and they do stuff or if someone has too many drinks and decides to drive home you know these are things that you know you got to monitor and you know and have, you try and be socially responsible yeah, you, tra- we, you train your team team members staff, your yeah, staff to do of that. course now then there's the marketing aspect. We're going to switch gears a little bit. You know, it's great that you said there was a void in the marketplace. There was very few places to actually play ball hockey, but you still got to get the name out there. You're still new. You still got to make sure that that people find you in some way, shape, or form. There's a, a lot of time slot. Not everybody wants to play every time slot, of course, uh, but there's a lot of time slots out there. Maybe you can kind of tell us, whether it's early stages or more recently, what worked at the beginning? What did you do at the beginning versus what are you doing more of today? Okay. I mean, what we did at the beginning, it was it was brand new. Uh, Larink was just the name. Most people called it Ranget or something or whatever it was. Um, so we had to do a little advertising. We did some, some, some uh, it was Team 990 at the time. Uh, we did some advertising there and we figured if we were to get X amount of teams and, and grow from there, it was worth it. Um, later on, what ended up being our number one you know, source of marketing or getting the word out is, is straight up word of mouth. Yep. Um, you know, we didn't even plan on doing birthday parties in our original business plan. We did a party in the first two weeks of our opening. And after every party, every single kid that was at that party's parents called the next day to say, my son just did a you know birthday party for one of his friends at your rink. And I, I need to do this also. And you then, know? and then uh, social media, uh, you know, Facebook starting to get big and it was just the best way to, to reach out to, you know, everyone and anyone, you know, uh, in the city. And that really helped as well. Yeah, especially now. I mean, we're, we're doing the full progress of, of everything. Everything's up on Facebook and everybody that I see in the rink or out or anything is saying, Oh, you know, I saw the video of the place looks great. When are you, when are you opening? That's the big question now. When's it opening? Well, now, when you first launched 10, 11 years ago, you know, you had to get the blitz out there, even though there was a void in the marketplace, you had to do something a little bit different. Did you, did you have a blitz or something out there that you, you really tried to get people to know your place? Well, we learned quite quickly how expensive advertising was back then. Traditional advertising. Yeah. Traditional advertising. Yeah. Um, but really we had extreme faith, uh, in, in word of mouth, especially with this type of business, because we're the only one of its kind. And once people got word of of what we were doing uh the calls started started really coming in we were first movers and we filled the void that was needed and this this is essentially what we're doing with the ring 2.0 right now i mean we're full where we are and we got to supply the demand and that's what we're doing it's a 741 we're talking with josh nagaborden and jordan topor of ball hockey complex the rink Let's talk about it. Larink 2.0. 2.0. What is next for you guys? Like you're, you're looking at a different location. You're looking at something a little bit bigger that can support the demand. Uh, Explain a little bit. So basically, um, five years ago, um, we are on a five and five lease where we are. We are leasing our place where we are. And we came up to five years. We we had to decide what we were going to do. Are we going to look for somewhere else or are we going to continue in the location we were? Timing wasn't right. So we stayed where we were. Uh, fast forward five years later and we were like this is the time this is this is a time where we need to move and expand uh one rink is just not cutting it anymore 
And we had to start looking for real estate for our new venue. Now, when you say it didn't cut anymore because the demand was too much, were you turning away people? Did you have too much, you know, you just couldn't, the capacity just wasn't there? Turning people away on a daily basis, pretty much. Uh, We have leagues and groups and everything that are booked for 52 weeks a year. And especially at the prime hours that people want to play, the good hours on the weeknights, uh, weekend, stuff like that. Uh, We have very limited space, so... So let's talk about location. You're trying to look for a location. Where do you look? Do you stay close to, because right now you're currently on Cote de right. near the Decary Circle. Yeah. Are you looking for a place that's close to it or are you just looking for the right building that doesn't have columns in the wrong place? A little bit of both. We really wanted to stay as close as possible to our current location. Uh, it was just a great spot. You know, you, you had access from the west and access from the east and and uh, even north and south. Is we're, we're access from everywhere. Um, so we wanted to stay close, but at the same time, um, our business needs column-free warehousing space, um, and that is not easy to find in this city. Also, with the height and everything, so uh, we got really lucky with the building that we did find. Was it a long search? Uh, it wasn't as long as we no, thought it'd be. It was not a long search. We explored different different options. We explored uh, going to certain areas where people would would build stuff for us that we'd pay rent. Uh, we explored other options. At the end of the day, we kept coming back to you know enough paying rent. Let's buy a building, and let's uh, let's let's have our legacy. You know, and uh, I think the first building that we went to look at to purchase was this one. Yeah. We saw it. We saw one one of the warehouses was perfect height, perfect width to fit a rink. The other one wasn't so much, but still beats building from the ground up. That's for sure. What's going to be new in this place? What do you? What's going to be a little bit harder, a little bit bigger to manage? Well, there's just more more to deal with. There's more rentals. There's more staff to do. You know, to, to you're going to have to hire more. I think We're the staffing is the more. big is the newest thing for us because uh, now really. The way we work is is one person pretty much manages the whole building when they're there. Like our one staff in our in our restaurant manages everything. But now we need to have staff in our new restaurant. We need to have a manager managing all the rentals and the rinks. So managing that is is going to be a new feat for yeah. us. And we also added a, a full time chef, so we have like a full service kitchen in our new place. Uh, the design in the bar is going to be super modern. Very homey, uh, you know, it's going to be TVs everywhere you look. Great place to watch games. As you said, Le Rink 2.0, bigger, better, cleaner, newer, and, go, can, yeah. and can attract a lot more. Yeah. And But you guys are taking on a risk of buying a building, so kudos to that, uh, true you. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800. Professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. It's 749. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. We were talking with uh, Josh and Jordan of Ball Hockey Complex Le Rink, and we bring into the conversation one of my partners, one of my tax specialist partners, Ernie Furt. You've heard him on the radio before. And just before we get into uh, matters, because I know we want to talk about common law spouses, uh, but while we're kind of on the topic of, of buildings and, you know, ball hockey and buying buildings and kind of uh, creating, creating expenses and of course naturally paying GST and QST and getting it back uh, maybe Ernie you can kind of jump in a little bit and talk a, a little bit of the challenges of the process of maybe waiting for your refunds to come back after you've paid your suppliers well what happens if you're doing something different 
in, in the organization. And all of a sudden, you're in a position where you're no longer paying the GST, but you're asking for some back. Uh, what the government has a tendency of doing is they say, hmm, this is interesting. Let me give them a call and ask them for their five biggest invoices of purchases and their five biggest invoices of sales just to make sure that it's legit. So they kind of delay the claim a little bit un until they speak to you and they get that information. They see what you're doing and they understand what that what you're doing is perfectly fine. And then they'll release the money. So you got to you got to watch yourself in that. Make sure that your documentation is good and it says the proper name on it. So when that call comes in or that letter comes by, make sure that you respond to it and you have all the documentation that you need in order to claim what is rightfully yours. Of course, it makes no sense. Uh, you ever had somebody say, well, can I preempt it and just send in invoices with my remittance report? Uh, no, because there's no facility to do that. All of a sudden, there are going to be invoices in somewhere in the air and you're going to go, well, how do you know, what do these belong to? You, you said something very important. Make sure it's in the right name. Uh, you know, often, often, you know, suppliers, contractors, and somebody makes some deals. Uh, how important, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on the, the name of that invoice. One element that every auditor from MRQ looks at is the name on the invoice. The name on the invoice has to be your either regular name of the entity or it has to be your trade name that, that has to be registered with the MRQ, and then they'll accept it. Sometimes they've, they've been very, very difficult when something says ABC Inc., but it should say ABC Limited. They say, well, ABC Limited is registered, and maybe they'll be claiming this. And you say, no, but it, but it is us, so you're going to have to get your suppliers to ensure that those invoices are in the proper names, and if they're not, don't pay them. Speaking of names, you know, common law spouses, they don't always take on your, your family name, but there are certainly some pitfalls, some challenges that, you know, the entrepreneur, uh, we're, we live in Quebec and there's a lot of uh, conjoint, common law spouses out there. And conjoint de fait. Conjoint de fait. What are the what are the first couple of things that come to mind uh, from a tax perspective from that? Well, first of all, from a tax perspective, a lot of people don't necessarily indicate that they're conjoint de fait on their tax returns or common law spouses. So, you know, they live together, they live together in a conjugal relationship. And at the end of the day, each one files a separate tax return. Uh, don't indicate that they're, you know, common law. And there's certain things that are shared in between common law spouses in terms of, you know, you aggregate medical expenses, you ag you can aggregate donations, and certain credits are based on thresholds, especially the Quebec credits, that combine both family income. So there's definitely some some benefits of that common law spouse, but then there are a few things that maybe uh, the, 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 the common law spouse or one of them should look out for. When we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And of course, uh, the one piece of advice that Josh and Jordan will give to today's entrepreneur coming up shortly after the break. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Just a few moments left in the program. It's 7.56 and we're chatting with uh, Ernie Furt, a tax partner at F.L., about common law spouses. Ernie, what? what I'm just going to let you ramble on, not ramble on, but give us the important data, common law spouses, what comes to mind, uh, pitfalls, challenges for people. Well, one pitfall that I, that, that I came across last week is all of a sudden you have people who are in a common law relationship, but they don't indicate it on their tax return. And then one of the spouses dies. 
And the other spouse says, well, am I entitled to the Quebec survivor's pension? The answer is yes, but you you probably have to indicate that on your tax return. And if you haven't, you're most likely going to have to amend those years. And you have to be living with that spouse three years before the death, while the regular common law definition for a common law spouse is one year. So just guide yourselves accordingly and just remember what you're indicating on your tax return and remember what you can indicate and, and watch out for the good times and watch out for the bad at the end of the day. It might not just be on the tax return. You have to indicate it. I mean, maybe there's other ways that, and if you didn't indicate on tax return, you might have to prove other Otherwise. Well, you're gonna to have to prove it. You're gonna to have to prove that you lived in a conjugal relationship. It just it just creates an additional layer of stress in a time of stress, and it's a uh, that additional layer of stress no one needs. So do it right, put it down the way you're supposed to put it, and and get what you're entitled to at the end of the day. There's uh, there's enough stress in relationships as it is. So let's let's not add to it. Thanks very much, Ernie. And as uh, we approach the last uh, moments of the show, uh, as we do each week, uh, although I, I promised the guys that uh, one thing they didn't address was that they were building new, bigger locker rooms, kind of like the Habs are going to have, right, yeah. guys? Or yeah, the Habs exactly. professional exactly. stalls. Like, yeah. Professional yeah. stalls. Yeah. Uh, but just before the program, we always turn uh, turn to you guys, turn to the entrepreneurs here, and ask them, Josh Jordan, what would be your one pieces of advice for today's entrepreneur? Well, uh, if you have an idea, don't give up on that idea. Even if it's a bad one, try it out. You know, you never know what can happen. And uh, if it doesn't work out, come up with something else. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to take risks and uh, just don't give up. Excellent. Thank you, Josh. Jordan? I'd say main thing is know your business, know what's going on, and, and know your clients. Be a face to the name. I think that's one thing we pride ourselves on is that 90 plus percent of the people that come in and out of our facility, I know them by name. I know something about them and we can have conversations and they know that, you know, the place isn't just a, a facility where the doors are open and you come use it. You know, if there's something you need, you can, you can always reach us and, you know, that's what people like. They like the, the you know, they like the one-on-one -on -one interactions. It's like cheers. Always know your Everybody name. Everybody knows you your name. Exactly. Thank you. My, my takeaway is, uh, as I try and do each show is, you know, there's a few. One is, you know, as friends, you guys work well together and you know each other's competencies and that's usually important. But I think the other aspect that, that came out a little bit was that you guys knew or were ready when to take that next chance, when to move to that next level versus resting on your laurels and just kind of coasting. And not every entrepreneur knows how to do that. Yeah. So uh, great. Thank you very much for thank joining you. guys. Thanks for having us. Ernie Furr, thank you for joining us here. Always a pleasure, John. You can always, uh, today's Entrepreneur by FL, you can always uh, log on to flmontreal.com and listen to this show and of course all our past shows. Thanks very much and see you next week.